the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into our... It's good to see Jeremy here. We don't often have the J-Man. Come on in, Jeremy, if you want. J-Dog. Yeah, the J-Dog. It's good to see Jeremy Siegel around these parts. And Terry, yes, we know. Terry is always here. Coming to you from the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group 960, the Patriot Broadcast Studio. The Midas Gold Group is your trusted source for precious metals. I was making a big issue yesterday of... um, Who's responsible for this continuing crisis that we are going through? And it is a crisis. It is a crisis. Um, In its etymological origins, this is a crisis, the Joe Biden presidency, the ongoing Joe Biden presidency. Um, You know the origin of the word crisis, don't you, right? Um, Uh, Do I? Yeah, don't you? Um, uh, Is it Greek? Mm -hmm. Everything's Greek. Yeah. You give me a word, and I will show you where it comes from, Greek. Well, right. It is. It absolutely is. Uh, it's the turning point. The de- turning point in a disease. I was making the point yesterday that there are those responsible for this, and it's not Joe Biden. He's not responsible for this. After all, as we have been uh, told, he is um, of diminished capacity. That is what um, the special prosecutors said of him, the special counsel said of him, those appointed by Merrick Garland, that he is of diminished faculty and faulty memory. This is not his fault. He is the patient, but that is the point. He is a patient who is the president of the United States, who is the commander-in-chief, who is in charge of our ship, ship of state. So who is responsible? Who is responsible for this continuing crisis, this turning point? in the disease. Here's a story. I said yesterday, Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden has a lot of responsibility. Do you remember the silliness of the ladies on The View? This is how anxious they were to get rid of Donald Trump. The Joy Bahar said during the campaign of 2020, Dr. Jill Biden, I hear, is a very good doctor. Had to be corrected by a fellow panelist saying she's not a medical doctor, Joy. Exposing that Joy was lying to us. No one had told her she was a very good doctor. You couldn't have heard that. She was corrected uh, on air to be told that she was a PhD doctor. She's not even that. She's an EDD doctor, doctorate in education. EDD is effectively, I mean, it is a doctorate in the field of education, but for those who know higher education, it's below the equivalent of an MBA. These are not high reaches. Um, Let's put it this way. In every college or university where an EDD has their terminal, has that degree as their terminal degree, it's one of those situations where questions might be asked. But in any event, I said, you know, if we're going to look at who's responsible here, the first person you have to look to is Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden. There are three interviews I remember seeing. Three. 
interviews in 2020 during the election, October and November of 2020, where she was asked variations of Joe Biden's age. And then there was a fourth interview I saw once he was president. And she laughed and said, not going there. I'm not going there. As if that was an answer. Because the reporters didn't follow up. As if that was an answer. I'm not going there. As if it wasn't a legitimate question. It was a legitimate question then. It's a compelling interest question now, except not about Joe Biden, about her. And Fox News has the report. First Lady Jill Biden was reportedly so upset by a lengthy 2022 press conference by President Biden that she berated him and his aides, demanding to know why no one put an end to it. Where were you guys, she asked the aides. Where was the person who was going to end the press conference? According to a new book in the forthcoming book about modern first ladies titled American Woman, author Katie Rogers wrote that Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, confronted President Biden himself and his aides after the January 19th, 2022 press conference. That's over two years ago when he couldn't handle it. Okay, that was over two years ago which marked his first year in office, that press conference. During the nearly two-hour conference, Biden held forth on numerous topics, but at times bungled facts and lashed out at one reporter who quoted Biden's comments comparing political opponents to segregationists. She watched the news conference, and the look on her face told everyone in the room that they had some explaining to do. Why didn't anyone stop that, she demanded. This was two years ago. Two years ago, he was bungling facts. According to Rogers' account, Jill Biden's, Dr. Jill Biden's reaction cowered even her husband into silence. Rogers wrote, everyone stayed silent, looking at one another and then at her and back to one another. That included the most powerful man in the world. Her husband essentially played along, not offering an answer, even though AIDS had slipped him a card suggesting he end the press conference. This is not unusual. For someone, by the way, in the throes of mental decline, not quite understanding what's going on. You can talk. It's a, it's the saddest of things. I, I, I will soon stop repeating. I'm taking no joy from any of this. It's the saddest of things for anyone who's been through with an aged parent or family member or rel- a relative of any kind or friend. When you take them to their doctor their gerontologist, their neurologist, whatever, when they are in decline. And they have a right, obviously, to be in the room with the treat, treatment official, the treating physician or social worker, and they explain what's going on to you, the loved one, or the older parent or family member. And the person they're talking about, the older parent or family member, you know, they, they don't know exactly. They can't process exactly what's being said about them in the diagnosis of them. So it wouldn't be strange to me or odd to me that Joe Biden would have that reaction of just, you know, shutting down when Dr. Jill Biden is berating his staff in front of him about his inability to hold a two-hour press conference. Any more than it would astound me if... What happened last night was emblematic of what's pretty much going on at the White House, as I suspect it is. When he went on national television 
to disabuse this country of the notion that he is of faulty memory and read a prepared statement from the teleprompter and then took questions from the press and then started throwing a little bit of a tantrum with them and then walked off the stage and then was tempted by the shouting question of a reporter about Gaza-Israel. And he came back to basically erase everything he had tried to do by confusing the president of Egypt with Mexico. You know, he was probably told, let's not do a press conference tonight. He was probably told that. He was probably stubborn about it. Of course we'll do a press conference tonight. I want to talk to the American people. I want to assure them that I know when my son died. By the way, did you notice in the presser last night he didn't say when or mention the rosary his bracelet was named after? Could have been emotional, and I'll hand him that. I'll give him that. I'll grant that it could have been an emotional thing for him to talk about. But I could see him overruling his staff to do it. And then his staff saying something like, don't take more than three questions. Just take three to show him you're up to it and get off stage. And then I can see him going off stage as he did and then walking back to the microphone once that Israel-Gaza question was asked. I can see in as much as you all probably can see, every one of his aides waiting with bated breath for him to just cleanly walk off stage saying, oh my gosh, the train wreck is coming. And the train wreck came. The train wreck came. So we have Mitterrand from Macron. We have Helmut Kohl for Angela Merkel. And now we have Assisi for AMLO. And you think we're not in a continuing crisis. We are. David Riaboy will be right with us. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Studio, sponsored by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Delight to bring back longtime friend David Rearboy of Late Republic Nonsense. You can follow him on Twitter, X, what we call Twix around here, David, at Dave Rearboy, R-E-A-B-O-I. How are you, sir? It's been a long time. My fault. I know. It's been forever. It's it great to talk to you. It has been forever. Do you like that portmanteau we made of Twitter and X Twix? Just call it Twix. I do. I was about to commend you on it. Because I'm getting tired of this nonsense of, you know, people writing X parentheses, formerly known as Twitter. Close. Just let's be done with all that and call it Twix. It's also a lot easier to say I Twixed something rather than I Xed something or I had an X. I, right? I mean, it, it, I just think it solves a lot of problems. Which is the business yeah, I way. think the X thing is just foolish and <laughs> utterly self in, self indulgent. Yes. I still call it Twitter. You do too, because <laughs> it, you know it, it it makes sense. But um, you know, I mean, that's uh, you know that that's a different matter. What uh, what Elon Musk has has decided to do to trash his uh, you know the the product that he spent so much money on, uh, you know. Oh, talk to me about well, that. Go with that. Fair. Yeah, because a lot of people, obviously, um, without the deep dives you've been in, David. Um, a lot of people are inclined to think he's this great hero. Yeah, say a few words if you want. Yeah, I mean, he he. I, I thought I, I had high hopes. Yep. He was um, he made he said some very admirable things before he purchased uh, Twitter about how it was um, the, uh, the the town square, you know, the town square of the world, yep. and how a healthy 
and open town square is is really essential mm-hmm. um, to to the, the functionings of a free people. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, since since he bought it, uh, in efforts to uh, to to I guess get some money back and monetize what um, uh, what what he what he really overspent on. Um, I think he's instituted uh, these these different things that uh, that do nothing but undercut um, the value of that open space. I mean, it's like he shows up to this uh, you know this wonderful town square and he encourages people to do the graffiti and to you know and to to break windows and to uh, and to cause a scene and 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 he does that uh, primarily by monetizing. Well, that's the other um, thing. He he's created all yeah. these things that you have to pay for to get the experience you used to have for free, right? There's some of that going yeah, well, on too. I mean, I think I think I think that's fine, but he's but he's um uh, he's he's paying people and he's encouraging people to post the uh the the dumbest, most um, you know, nonsensical and inflammatory uh, stuff when supposedly this is supposed you know this is supposed to be um, uh, if it is indeed the, the 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 town square then of course I mean you're allowed to post all kinds of nonsense but you certainly don't want to encourage it and this is this is really what 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 he's done um, by you know with this uh, with this monetization so everyone is incentivized to be as ridiculous as possible and frankly if you go out there and you say something that is completely untrue and ridiculous. Um, you're encouraged to do that because you say, oh, well, I'll have a bunch of people who are crazy agree with me mm-hmm. and retweet me mm-hmm. and engage with me. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have all of the normal people outraged mm-hmm. and they will, uh, they will contribute to my monetization scheme as well. Mm-hmm. So it, it totally incentivizes, um, it incentivizes outright lying and um, and and things that, like frankly, are just are just not healthy for uh, for the public conversation. And um, you know, and I know that even speaking like this uh, may strike conservatives as a little weird because uh, you know we're used to uh, the left talking about this from the point of view of you know government control or this or that. But like, I mean, let let's let's face it. Uh, the the state of um, the state of our public conversation and its relative uh, you know intelligence or stupidity uh, is something that should that we should all care about. Uh, I think now on I, I think now on the other hand it's it's uh, it's far easier to manipulate um, you know the, the the public discourse. Um, we see a proliferation of bots, um, you know, crypto scams and pornography and, you know, this and that and this and that. And, and um, I, I think he's just, he's just created a, a free for all that does nothing but reward, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the worst actors um, out there. And, and it's really a shame. Uh, oh, and all the while he maintains his, uh, his, his policy on, uh, on throttling. I mean, my account has been throttled forever. I've literally had the same amount of followers for four years now. Yeah, 
it's not um, it's not and, likely yeah. possible. I mean, it's not it's not at all possible, especially given the amount and the volume of of product you put out. Um, it, 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 and I've had others people tell me the same thing. Uh, people that are you know considered on the right. Some you probably are friends with. Some maybe not so much. But I've I've heard this from a multiplicity of them that it makes no sense. I have been frozen at this number. It just makes no sense. Right. Uh, David, step back a second though, if you will too, um, because, and, and say a word if you don't mind on the need for what you're um, talking about in the abstract that we wish we had, because I have to tell you, uh, I think I'm a little older than you, but not much. I don't think. I don't think we've ever lived in more serious times. Just at the moment when you want the most le- the ser- the most level the the most serious level of conversation and thinking and ability to um, approach, attract, and access serious thinking. At the moment we need it the greatest, it's seemingly the most elusive now. Yes, isn't that uh, how it always goes? Yeah. Um. You know, this is I mean, I, I, I'm tempted always in, in times like this to say, well, you know, this is the late republic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's true. I mean, it's a catch all, but it has the benefit of being true. And um, uh, yeah, this and, is uh, this is what yeah. you have been known for this phrase, late republic. And I want to uh, take a quick commercial break, if I might, and come back to you on that. Because um, I think we are at uh, regime level, um, regime existential level, um, crisis point, fluctuation point, pivot point, fulcrum. And uh, it'll either all be one thing or all the other. Um, That's my view. And I would love your views on some of that if I can keep you a little bit and talk to you about that when we come right back. You available for a couple more segments with us? Of course. Thank you. David Boy is my guest. You bet. Follow him on Twix at Dave Reaboy, D A V E for Dave Reaboy, R E A B O I, or go to his Substack, DaveReaboy.substack.com. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. David Reaboy is my guest. You like that bass line, David? Uh, you know bass. Yeah, you play bass. I, I was, I was just, I was just going to say that's windy. I don't know who's Carol who's, K uh, from. That's Carol K. You know from uh, the Wrecking Crew. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. Course. Yeah. Yeah. She was all over those those uh, those records. Yeah, I thought you might like that progression. Yeah. There. We didn't do it deliberately for you, but I should point out you are an accomplished bass player. <coughs> Excuse me, sir. <coughs> Late Republic. Um, I was reading a book of Will Durant's, the great historian Will Durant's, on the fall of civilizations, and he, in the last chapter, opens up by saying, when a great civilization falls, David, he says, uh, he writes, that there's really only, there are really only two questions to be asked. What created the civilization in the first place and what caused its decline? And, obviously, need that seems, you know, almost too obvious to say, but it isn't, because we know what a lot of us know, maybe not everyone, a lot of us know what caused this place to grow, to thrive, to become the greatest country in the world. Um, but the question as to why it sucks now and why we're on a teetering point and on the edge, it's a different set of questions. But you open it up any way you want. Late Republic, that's your phrase. That's, it's really interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna have to go and, and, uh, and read that book. 
um, because I, I, I find the subject the subject really fascinating. Yep. Um, the first the first thing I would comment is that I don't think it's so simple. I, I don't think it's exactly as simple as saying um, here is uh, here is this one civilization we discuss that has gone through um, you know that that was once great and you know has now kind of uh, has now kind of come apart in many ways. Okay. Um, I think that's kind of our default position, okay. uh, and, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, but uh, other other folks have uh, have talked about splitting it up uh, differently. I mean, there's there's uh, there are many who make a, a very convincing case that there's not that much uh, in common between, let's say, the um, you know, the, the, the first hundred years of, or so of the United States and, um, you know, the next 150. Um, because at that meeting, you know, at that at, at that juncture was the, the progressive movement. Mm-hmm. And um, and the, the character of the country. Well, let's let's say the um, the the. Uh, the way the country works um, legally was changed to the point where the character of the country eventually um, changed in, in, in far greater ways. And then, of course, you can say the same thing for the 1965 Immigration Act, mm-hmm. you know, or the Civil Rights Act of the same year mm-hmm. that, um, that, that kind of made all these significant changes. So, uh, you know, you could plot the chart in, in many different ways, and I think all these... Um, all of these uh, analyses have uh, have have some merit. Okay. Um, I think it's it's very so so that's why it's never really been that appealing to me to um, to talk about how far we've strayed from let's say the founding of the country. I okay. mean, everyone should agree that we have strayed tremendously far. Okay. You know, to the to the point where where you know we're it's it's unrecognizable. Um, I think the more um, the more uh, important question is uh, who agrees with what vision of the country. Okay. And in that respect, um, what I've been saying for a long time is that uh, we have two readings of two understandings of uh, of justice. Okay. That inform uh, in this country that inform how um, how we see the world and it's pretty much split down the middle between, uh, between left and right. Um, you know, between red and blue as the, as the, as the, the shorthand goes, but you know, obviously with, with some, uh, with some overlap and, uh, the longer we go, the more these two, uh, these two, uh, ways of seeing the world, um, uh, diverge to the point where, I mean, at some point it will just be completely irreconcilable because we will be, um, we will be speaking, you know, all but different languages. This is a short segment. We have a longer one coming up. I want to plug into that a little bit more with you and dive down a little bit more with that uh, on that point with you, if I can, especially um, the way the left and the right views things, if I can, that distinction. Um, I'll just float the thesis real quick that I want to come back to you on. It seems to me, and you'll straighten me out, it seems to me the left knows what they're doing. I'm not so sure we do. David and I will be right back. 
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Dave Riaboy is my guest. You can follow him on Twitter, X Twix at Dave Riaboy, R-E-A-B-O-I. David, you were making the point in the last segment uh, about the divisions between right and left here and this notion of us being perhaps in the phase of a late republic. And it's my view, I think, it's tenuous, but it is my view that the left knows what they're doing. I'm not so sure our side does. You and I are generally on the same side. Uh, I wonder what you think of that or if you disagree. Um, I do not disagree at all. Um, I've been for the last year or so raising the alarm bells about the lack of seriousness on the right um, in, in terms of contending with uh, some of these problems. And I'll be I'll be completely honest with you, and I haven't said this in public yet, but um, I've been writing for several years about national divorce, um, not exactly a plan for national divorce. But um, what I've been I've been talking about national divorce in order to get people hopefully on the right to uh, to take more seriously some of the things that, you know, that need to be done to be more autonomous. Um. You know, for example, in terms of politics and business and culture and, uh, you know, and, and, and the like, really creating um, a parallel economy and a, a parallel politics and, and social life um, outside of, you know, outside of blue America. Um, I think that is a worthwhile project. But over the last year, I've unfortunately, very sadly, come to the conclusion that the right is in no position or condition to take any of this seriously. Talk to me and, a little bit more. Yeah. Talk a little yeah. bit about what your framework for a national divorce that would be taken seriously would look like. And then the diagnosis that you just gave in, in that is to say the condition our condition is in, if I can quote Eric Clapton. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, I mean, well, Hey, let's, let's, let's start with Bud Light. Yeah. Okay. So, good. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 Good. You know, I mean, Bud, Bud Light is an easy one, and and I think it's easy to dismiss as a, you know, a tiny insignificant skirmish in in the larger war, um, but I think it is significant because it represented perhaps the first time there was a large unorganized boycott of uh, by you know by folks on the right of um, of a large company. That was, you know, heretofore, uh, kind of beloved American institution, mm -hmm. and in response to, um, you know, in, in response to it, frankly, um, uh, giving the finger to um, to most of its customers by, you know, by by going woke, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. and it was effective. The company, which is owned, you know, it's, it's actually a large multinational Belgian company. Um, today, but uh, they 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 took a real hit, mm -hmm. and um, and this this was ongoing, and the ongoing nature of this uh, boycott on Bud on Bud Light um, was a reminder that hey, you know the right in America does in fact vote with their dollars, mm -hmm. and they have the ability to you know when and at, at a certain point to. Uh, to say, you know what, we're done with this. We're we're going to we're going to boycott the company, and we're we're going to uh, we're going to try to uh, to influence 
things this way. I think the the Bud Light boycott, uh, DeSantis's um, uh, war on on Disney, um, his his offensive, really his PR offensive, less than the legal offensive, but the PR offensive related to the uh, to the to to the Disney fight that he had um, was tremendously effective. And in, healthy, um, I would say. I would and, say and, it was healthy right. because it sh- it was a dipstick as to where we were. I mean, and we didn't know where we were, frankly, on that fight, and it showed where we were, as the Bud Light thing showed where we were. Anyway, go right. ahead. Sorry. And and and, and it's, no, no, no problem. And and it was important because it it created an awareness within the larger, you know, right wing normie uh, boomer community that these large corporations are not necessarily our friends, and frankly, their interests um, are far more likely to be uber-woke than to be traditional American. And um, their their, uh, their, um, nostalgic understanding of some of these big big American companies is, uh, is, is, is not real. And has been overtaken, has long been overtaken by events. So that was all to the good. Now, now today, several months later, you have Donald Trump, the Republican, the you know, in all but name, the uh, the, the triumphant uh, Republican nominee who who stormed the um, uh, who stormed the, the the primary field for twenty twenty four. Um, you know, he just basically read uh, a, a Bud Light ad on the air um, in, in a post and said, hey, you know what? We're you know, this is a great company, um, great American company, which it's not. But still. And um, and he did that because he took money from uh, from uh, from their the lot, their big lobbyist. And it was completely transparent and and it signaled a tremendous defeat for the right. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a single, uh, uh, an obvious defeat for the right. But even more damning was what happened in conservative media in response to this, okay. which was absolutely nothing. Right. And most media outlets, I mean, the ones that said something you can count on one hand, mm-hmm. but most media outlets have went back into Trump protection mode, which is a mode that they've been uh, you know, uh, heavily involved with and very comfortable with for the last eight years. And they've just uh, become uh, Donald Trump's personal Praetorian Guard when it comes to when it comes to reporting on him. So what ends up happening is the right, such as it is in America, is held hostage by Donald Trump and has no way of influencing you know, and, and conservative media has no way of influencing Donald Trump because, hey, they're, they're, uh, the, the media isn't telling uh, their listeners and viewers what is happening. And they're not telling them that they should be putting pressure on Donald Trump to, uh, to do X, Y, or Z and, and, and push him to the right. So, I mean, I think we're in a, we're in a situation where, um, where it's, just, it's just a complete... Um, a complete collapse of, of, of seriousness. Um, and, um, and I have to tell you, I mean, honestly, it's just, it's been, it's been very dispiriting. Um, 
seeing what's going on on a, on a national level um, on one hand. But on the other hand, uh, I realized that um, I realized that uh, there's a lot of work to be done on the state level. And I'm getting a lot of um, I'm getting a lot of inspiration and happiness thinking about my great state of Florida. Yeah, no, and you should. What I yeah. and what I can do to uh, to to make it better and and to move the ball forward for the right uh, here locally. Good. All right. We're in touch. It's as I said, been way too long. I want to have this continuing crisis conversation with you over the next several weeks. Um, We're out of time today, brother, but uh, thank you for laying it out, and we'll pick up on it very soon, I promise. Yes? Of course. Great to to chat with you. Thank you, David. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They offer an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio where you can earn up to a 10 and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. And it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. 10.25% fixed rate of return. You're in control. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees. You can have peace of mind. There is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. And you get a monthly statement with no surprises. They're based here locally. Their offices are on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. You can go visit with them. I've been there many times. You will get no sales pitch. You won't be asked to sign a thing. Or you can check them out online at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call 888-YREFI24, 888-YREFI24. I'm not, uh, though I've known David a long time, I'm not on the same page with him, I have to say. And we'll bat it around more in future conversations or anything you all want to weigh in on. Um, I don't believe in national divorce, and I believe it's important to have these conversations with the national divorce conservatives because um, I believe in evangelization. I believe in conversion. I believe in always be closing for the conservative case. I also don't believe that people are enthralled That's the word I want. That's the perfect word, actually. It means enslaved. I don't believe that they are under the control of Donald Trump um, in this movement. I believe that people make up their own decisions and see the vehicle um, that they like, warts and all. Um, But it does seem to me that we are going to have to have a reconciliation with our entire conservative movement here between those that believe in those things and those that don't, those that will uh, be reticent to support or even vote for Donald Trump versus those that don't, um, those that uh, still have um, still have uh, mixed feelings over the way the primaries went and those that don't. I'm with C.S. Lewis in his essay on the abolition of man. Um, for every one pupil who needs to be guarded from a weak excess of sensibility, there are three who need to be awakened from the slumber of cold vulgarity. Great phrase. The task is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts, he says. The right defense against false sentiments is to inculcate right or just sentiments, he says. I still believe that's true. I still believe it's true for our movement as much as I do for our country. Uh, What do we got coming up? Oh, the great Andy McCarthy is coming right up. We'll talk to him about our continuing crisis as well. Don't go away. We'll be right back. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.